Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Monday, January 2nd, 2022. I'm Mike Kachopoli. Okay, here we are, the first show of the new year. How about it? The first show of the new year. Um, how was your New Year's? Did you have a good time? Did you have a good time? Were you partying all night? Were you one of those people who were out partying all night long and got drunk and had to take an Uber or Lyft back to where you came from, back home? I wonder, I wonder. I was lucky I went to a party in my building. So it was, it was pretty simple. It was pretty simple. I went, I went to a party in my building and, um, we had a great time. We had a great time. It was, it was a good crowd. It was a good crowd. And, uh, and, uh, and we had a great time and it was great because all I had to do was travel three floors for four, four floors. Yeah. Four floors back, uh, to my apartment. That's the way to do it. That's really the way to do it every year. Make a neighbor, make a neighbor throw a party. So you don't have to travel far, uh, to get back. I hope everyone had a great time. I know some people were off for two weeks. Some people are finally getting back, like, into the groove. How many people do you think today, on Monday, the, the fake holiday, the fake New Year's holiday, uh, came home and had to do, like, five or six loads of laundry? This is probably the worst day and the worst night to do laundry if you have a, 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 uh, a laundry room in your building. Because guaranteed... Guaranteed it's full with people who are doing laundry, getting ready for tomorrow, getting ready for going uh, back to work. But I do hope everyone uh, had a really good time. I really do. I hope everyone had a very safe holiday. And here we are. Did I say 2020? By the way, did I say 2022 when I started this show? Now, I don't even know now. I don't even know if I said 2020. But if I said 2022, it's normal, right? It's normal. This is going to be another friggin' month of this. Now I'm thinking back. I have to go play the show back when we when I do the replay, when I put the show on later, and see if I had said 2022. Did I say January 2nd, 2022, or January 2nd, 2023? Well, it's not going to be the first time I say 2020. It's not going to be the first time we write 2022 on a check. Um, but anyway... That's the most annoying thing about the new year is that for at least the first month, you don't, you, you don't know what year it is. You still, you're still talking about the past year and writing in the past year and, and all of that stuff. So, um, I, I'm just really hoping, I'm really hoping that I didn't say 2022, but I think, I think I may have, I think I may have. Anyway, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, I think that there's a lot going on. Obviously, nothing's really going to start happening big time till tomorrow, right? Because we see the, the the Congress is going back, right? New Congress is taking over, I think. It's possible the new Congress is taking over. We can't be sure that the new Congress is uh, is taking over because evidently the way it's written in the Constitution, there needs to be a speaker, a leader, before they can swear in the new Congress, so they need to actually, the Republicans need to elect a new speaker before the Republicans can be sworn in. 
So that's an issue. Is it going to be Kevin McCarthy or not? You know, it's, 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 it's really a problem that it's going to start, you know, that this is all going to start on such drama, you know, that it's so, it's so, it's so dramatic that it's not going to be a smooth start to the, to the new Congress, that the Republicans are going to have to, you know, argue and debate who the new Speaker of the House is going to be. And this is always very bizarre when this happens. It doesn't happen very often. But um, when it happens, it, uh, it can really hold things up for a while. They can't do those committees we've all been talking about. They can't do anything. They can't do anything until they have a Speaker and then they're sworn in and then – and then they can uh, they they can uh, start getting to work. But until then, you know, this is going to be this high drama over who the new speaker of the house is going to be. Um, and you know, uh, it, it, it's 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 a problem. It really is. It's a problem. And some people think the four or five holds out. I think there are five holdouts right now are going are being selfish. You know, because Everyone else is ready to go. Everyone else is ready to go. Everyone else is ready to get things going. And these four or five Republicans want to hold back the whole process. And, of course, mathematically, it's it's kind of silly because what you're doing, it's almost like, say, there was a jury of 222 people, right? And 216 or 217 of them say one thing. And the rest, the five, four or five rest say another and those four or five people who were saying whatever it may be, guilty or not, are holding the 218, 217 hostage, right? They're holding them hostage. Now, what's easier, to get the four or five to come your way or to get 217 to go your way? So it's it's the math isn't – that's why when people are interviewing one of these congressmen who don't want to vote for McCarthy, they ask them, well, then who are you voting for? Who do you want? And they can't answer the question. All they keep on saying is, we're not going to vote for that establishment, you know, McCarthy, that, that establishment fake, fake conservative McCarthy or whatever. And they don't say who they're going to vote for. And they don't explain mathematically how if this guy's got 216, 217, whatever he has, how is someone going to come out of nowhere and get 218? It doesn't make any sense. He's so close. He's so close. You know, that I don't know. I guess, I guess mathematically he has 212. I think I'm getting the, yeah, I think he's got 212 or 213. He's got 213. I think he needs five more, something like that. But either way, he's so close. No one else is, is even being talked about, right? No one else is even being talked about. So this is kind of a silly thing. It's like the few holding the many hostage. And who they're really holding hostage is the American people, people like me who have waited for this day. When the Republicans are going to take over and start these committee hearings and get things rolling, I wanted everything to start rolling on January 3, not the 15th or the 20th. So now we're going to have to see what happens. I believe the the vote is at uh, noon Eastern on Tuesday, tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. But to me, this looks like a big debacle. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary drama. It's unnecessary drama. It really is. I mean, just get a speaker, okay? They're evidently, one of the hold, things that was hold, were holding many of them out was they wanted to make it easier 
to change the speaker, right? They wanted to make it easier to can the speaker and put in a new speaker, okay? So that was like, well, we'll vote for McCarthy, but we want to make it easy to get rid of him if we don't like him. So that was one of the holdouts, and I think they gave in to that. They were going to make it easier. So just put the guy in there just so you can get the ball rolling, just so you can get the ball rolling. How do you know he's not going to be fantastic? You don't know. He's never been speaker. Let let him be speaker and see what happens. But at least let let the ball get rolling. And the problem is it's not happening if we don't have a speaker. Okay? So, and of course it looks bad. It looks really bad for the Republicans. It does when you start out like this. Remember the Democrats had Democrats want to make, you know, make it seem like this never happens, but they kind of it kind of happened to them two years ago with Pelosi, right? People saying, oh, we're tired of Pelosi. She's getting too old. We need a new speaker. She doesn't get 218. You know, some of the progressives, the, the squad were holding out. And eventually they came around. And when the vote came around, when the vote came around, she got the 218, right? But there was still a lot of drama around will it happen and she had to negotiate and she had to talk to people. So it wasn't like this – the Democrats want you to believe it was like this smooth thing for them every time for their speaker. And it's not the case. But when it came down to the vote, they were able to wrangle up the votes. That may happen with the Republicans. It may not. I don't know. It may happen though. So we'll see if this is much ado about nothing or if – there's more to it, and it can take a while. You know, it could take several votes. But once again, if you're talking about it can, it can take several votes, who who's next in line? Is it Steve Scalise? Is he going to get to 218? Yeah, there are over 200. Uh, there are easily over 200 who are very much behind McCarthy, 100% behind him, and don't want it to be anybody else. So how are you going to get 200 of them to go someone else? I don't know. To me, it, it seems much simpler to get the five holdouts to just vote for McCarthy. They've made it easier to change the speaker and just get the ball rolling on things. Because, you know, right now, we, the last thing we need, the last thing we need is a holdout. And uh, as far as Twitter goes, uh, Elon Musk has promised Fauci files later this week. So there's going to be more evidence there's going to be more evidence um, coming out that that uh, Fauci, of course, and the and the government, the powers that be, um, were colluding with Twitter to censor doctors, to censor scientists, to censor users who had other information around COVID and the vaccines and so on. So that Elon Musk promised that this week. So the Republicans are going to have like this treasure trove. This treasure trove of um, of evidence, of evidence, and the ball needs to get rolling, right? Strike while the iron's hot. Strike while the iron's hot. Don't mess it up with this ridiculous procedural thing and act childish because you don't want Kevin McCarthy to be Speaker of the House. Okay, it's it, it just it doesn't make any sense. I understand this is politics and some of these people are trying to get committee assignments and, you know, quid pro quo kind of stuff. I, I get it. I do get it. But I think at some point you have to just say, 
Let's put them in, get sworn in, get the committees going. And in six months or whatever, if you think he really sucks, you know, it's easy. It's going to be easier now to get rid of the speaker or change the speaker. So just take it from there, right? Let's not, let's not hold things up too much. Let's not hold things up too much. Um, so we'll, we'll know more tomorrow. So by tomorrow night show, we'll know if this was just once again, just a lot of politicking and much do about nothing, or if we're really in a holding period of, of, of days of, of trying to find, uh, you know, a speaker of the house, you know, so, um, you know, like I said, the Democrats want to pretend the process was easy when it was Pelosi, but it wasn't. And it's never an easy process when you have such a narrow majority. That's why both parties want a big majority, right? So if McCarthy didn't, if McCarthy had 235 instead of 222, he wouldn't have to, you know, five or six or 10 holdouts wouldn't matter. But because there's only 222, just like it was two years ago with the Democrats, 222, you get that squad holding out and that causes a problem. Now you get these five, you know, Republicans holding out and that causes a problem. That's why, that's why having, you know, a bigger majority, one of the many reasons why having the bigger majority is, is so important. And, uh, you know, there's this, this talk of, you know, he's not conservative. He's not conservative enough, they say. The five holdouts say McCarthy's not a real conservative. Then the rest of the people saying, no, these five are not real conservatives. It's, it's always this, you know, ridiculous, you know, bitching back and forth about who's more conservative, right? Just like with the Democrats, it's who's more progressive, Right. Oh, geez, Pelosi's not progressive enough. McCarthy's not conservative enough. Well, people are never going to be ever, anything enough. Right. They're always going to be, um, uh, you know, issues that maybe, you know, this person's not going to be perfect. And McCarthy's not going to be the perfect speaker, you know, moving forward. But procedurally, I would think it'd be absolutely ridiculous. You have fought so long to get the, the majority. You have fought so long. To be able to have these hearings, as as many of them have been talking about, like Comer, and they've been talking about how for a year, for a year, they've been planning this for a year. And now you have it. And, uh, you know, just get the ball rolling. Well, Andrew says there was a push by the left to hold the vote to make Pelosi speaker hostage and demand a floor vote. On universal health care, right. The squad did Pelosi's bidding and squashed that push, right. That was forced to vote. Is that what that was? Part of the forced to vote? Yeah, so it's never perfect. And now with, yeah, with, um, with, uh, Hakeem Jeffries being the minority leader, you know, Democrats saying, look how quickly they came up with one. There's no problem there. Well, I mean, come on. He's a horror, but he's perfect for them because they love identity politics. So he was being groomed to be, you know, the black minority leader and they hope Speaker of the House, which isn't, I don't think is going to happen anytime soon. But, uh, yeah, the Democrats didn't have any problems with that, but he's terrible. Right. They, they have their identity politics leader, which they love that, you know, their virtue signaling. They love that, but he's an, he's a, he's an idiot and he's a far leftist. I mean, he's, there's nothing moderate or independent or, centrist about uh, Hakeem Jeffries. He's going to take that party even further off the left cliff, you know, so that's fine. You know, they want him, but they, they shouldn't be like patting themselves on the back because they, that they found someone so quickly, you know, it's just that he's young and he's black and 
that's enough for them. <laughs> Keep go, go for it, man. You know, so, but with the Republicans, there are probably a few. There's Andy Biggs, there's uh, Scalise. I mean, Biggs has almost no shot, but, you know, Scalise and all that. So there are a few who they could, you know, put their front and center. But I think what you want is someone who's going to push all these hearings and push the agenda, but also not seem so extreme. And I think McCarthy's good at that. He speaks very calmly. You know, he, he measures his words, but but he's I don't think he's you know, I don't think he's uh, a rhino. I don't think he's, uh, you know, uh, feckless. I think he'll do a fine job. So hopefully they can get past that. Like I said, we'll know. But the next show we'll know what's going on with that. Um, I do want to mention I'm going to talk about the, the vaccine deaths and vaccine injuries and now Wall Street Journal actually writes an article, an opinion article about how people who are getting the vaccine are getting COVID more. So you're more likely to get COVID. They're doing a, they've done a study and they showed you're more likely to get COVID the more, it's not like having the vaccine or not being vaccinated, the more jabs you've had. You're more likely to get COVID at R. Are, are the COVID vaccines, we talked about this two years ago. I talked about, I hadn't had the show two years ago, but I was talking on Twitter about this two years ago that, and, and Daniel and many have said many times, and it was written again today by McCullough, Peter McCullough, that you don't vaccinate during a pandemic. And that's exactly what McCullough was saying. You don't do this broad. He said you can do possibly very specific, targeted, you know, older people, overweight people, blah, blah, blah. You can do that, but to do this general zero to 100 vaccination during a pandemic is what is causing more variants to sprout. The vaccine is causing the, the uh, virus to, 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 to mutate, to avoid the resistance of the vaccine, <clears throat> to avoid the immunity of the vaccine. So it's causing the, the, the more vaccines we have, the more jabs we have, the more variants we're seeing. And the more likely you are to get one of those variants, the more vaccinated, the more boost you have. I'll read the New York, I'll read the Wall Street Journal article um, about this. Um, but that's what the virus does, which is why, as many have said, you don't vaccinate during a pandemic. You don't vaccinate during a pandemic because all the virus is going to do and say, oh, yeah, really? OK, I'm going to mutate to something else and I'll mutate to something else. And you got a new jab for me. OK, I'll mutate to something else. And that's what's happening, basically. So the, the jabs are creating these mutations. They're creating these variants. But we've known this, right? Many people, like I say, myself, Daniel and other doctors like McCullough have been talking about this for two years. But the difference is the Wall Street Journal didn't write about it two years ago. And now we're seeing these articles about this. Once again, it's almost like they're all discovering this. Oh, look at where we're, we're brilliant. It only took us three years to discover this when many of us were talking about this. But once again, you can talk about this now on Twitter three years later with Musk owning it. But two years ago, if you said this about the vaccines, you were and I was and many of us were censored and suspended for saying it. If you said in uh, November, December 2020, January, February, March 2021, so on and so forth on Twitter, what the Wall Street Journal wrote today, yesterday, that the vaccines are causing more variants. You were absolutely suspended. Absolutely suspended. But getting to that point, I do want to talk about what happened um, at the NFL game tonight between the Bills and the Bengals. A Bills player was, uh, he made a tackle 
Demar Hamlin. Uh, he made a tackle, and during the tackle, uh, he was kind of hitting the in the chest area. It looked like there was there was like a, a force where there often is during a hit or a tackle in football. There was like a force to his uh, chest area, and he got up and he, then he collapsed and he had a heart attack. And they had to do CPR and he was taken to the hospital. Now, of course, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, you're, we're seeing athletes dying young age. We're seeing soccer players drop dead. You know, so they were saying that this could possibly be, you know, because of the vaccine. But we want to be careful here to throw a really wide net over everything that happens, over every young person who dies or every young person has a heart attack. It's not going to be the vaccine. But and also in this case, there was a blunt force trauma that caused it. So the question is, did the vaccine weaken his heart to where this would eventually happen? Or does this have nothing to do with the vaccine? And it's just a blow to his chest caused his heart to stop. Um, once again, if you go on Twitter, there are people who are saying, you see the vaccine, you see the vaccine. We want to be careful with that. We really do, because once you start saying that every young person or every athlete that has a heart attack or dies or a heart attack died because of the vaccine, you can't say that. You can't prove that. And obviously, it wouldn't be the case. It, it wouldn't be the case that, you know, I mean, people, young people do die before the vaccine. Young people have had heart attacks. Athletes have died. Runners. Remember that runner? What the hell was his name? The skinny guy, 40 years old, long time ago, dropped dead running. Perfect shape. You know, so that does happen. So we want to be careful to not call, say everything is immediately the vaccine. We want to, we want to be careful. We don't we don't want to do what the left wing does when there's a uh, mass shooting, right? What do they do when there's a mass shooting? The left wing automatically they say, ah, get rid of guns, get rid of guns. Right, the knee jerk shit. You know, this proves you need gun control. This proves, you know, the Second Amendment's terrible. You don't you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. OK, so the experts, as I'm re as I'm reading about this, are saying there was some heart arrhythmia. And the blow to the chest may have thrown his heart's pumping mechanism out of rhythm, out of, out of rhythm, disrupt, disrupting blood flow to his brain and causing his on field collapse. Emphasize they can only speculate if they're watching video of the play. Two cardiologists said the contact may have caused ventri ventricular fibrillation. The rapid and disorganized contraction of the heart's lower chambers that disrupts normal pumping of blood around the body. The process is governed by carefully timed electrical signals that may have been disturbed by the blow to Hamlin's chest. The quickest way to return his heart to normal rhythm would be to shock him with an automated external defibrillator, which also would detect a normal rhythm, they said. The focus is on restoring the electrical synchrony, putting him back into a normal rhythm. Um, there's also something else in which you have to be incredibly unlucky. If Hamlin were particularly unlucky, the blow may have come during an especially vulnerable moment in the heart's electrical cycle, triggering a condition known as <clears throat> commotio cordis, commodio cordis, according to Gregory Marcus, a cardiologist. Um, the window is only 40, listen to this now, talk about unlucky. The window is only 40 milliseconds long making the condition rare. It most often occurs when young baseball or hockey players receive a blow from a baseball or hockey puck to the center of their chests. When arrhythmia is the most likely cause of the injury, the left hand, while the arrhythmia is the most likely. So that thing with um, commotio cardis, it's like, 
the heart has to be in a, in a, in a special place where it's beating. And this is a 40 millisecond long interval where the puck or the baseball or let's say a helmet of someone, a player hits you just at that moment. And that's why it's incredibly rare. But the arrhythmia is more likely the cause. It's not only possible. It's, uh, it's, po- it's probably, when is this? Oh, it's not, it's not only the possible. The violent contact could have caused a bulge in a blood vessel known as an aneurysm to burst. So it may have combined with a previously undetected heart defect to trigger a life threatening event. Um, so that's what happened there. You know, once again, could his heart have been weakened by the vaccine? I suppose that's possible. I would maybe like to hear from, uh, other cardiologists about this first. Maybe McCullough has some ideas, you know, about this. But obviously it's an incredibly, thankfully, but incredibly rare thing, which happened. And uh, obviously the question I thought of, which is now being written about, is how long did his brain go without oxygen? Reports are his vitals are back to normal and they put him on a ventilator. But how long did his brain go? because we know it can cause brain damage or brain death without oxygen for a certain amount of time. Um, Luckily, of course, there were a million doctors on him right away. So hopefully they were able to get to him fast enough where his brain didn't go without oxygen for too long. Um, Yeah, but of course his heart could slip out of rhythm again, so... Yeah, but it's a scary thing. They stopped the game for a while. Then there was some talk as to whether the game should have continued. Obviously, the magnitude of what happened, the game should not have continued. Um, and I think both coaches pulled their teams off. It seems like they might have given the league a, 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 a short amount of time to make a decision. They didn't make a decision, so I think both coaches pulled their teams off and the game was suspended. Something you really never see. You never see that happen. So once again, I think I think the whole idea is to not, you know, it, it was getting annoying being on Twitter with all the amateur cardiologists, you know, and and everyone saying, you know, it's, you had the people saying, oh, it was a, it was the vaccine. Then you have, of course, the people saying, oh, you vaccine, you know, uh, lunatics who think everything's you know, vaccines causing everything, and so it's going back and forth. And I got tired of seeing it after a while. I got tired of seeing it after a while. Twitter can be a real – when something like this happens, when something happens like in real time like this, Twitter is like probably the worst place you can be. It's a too true shithole when trying to find out real information. All I wanted to find out was from like what may have happened and where is he now. That's all I wanted. I wanted, I wanted to find out like what happened and where is he now. And all I got was, oh, it's the vaccine. And then there were people saying, oh, you, you're vaccine lunatics. Of course, it's not the vaccine. And people praying to God. I didn't get any fucking real information. So after a while, I had to get off it. I swear, it's almost like a, a lunatic asylum when something like this happens. It's like all the lunatics come out at once from all different areas, and you're trying to find some truth. Give me some truth, a little bit of truth. Just tell me what happened and what's going on now. It's very simple. Can't find it. Can't, can't find actual journalism anymore. You just can't find it. You can't. Then even journalists get involved in that shit. Speculation of stuff. You know, I'm looking now, and once again, I, I, I don't know. Who knows? You know, but um, another story I saw 
earlier today. I didn't believe it when I saw it because it was from some fly-by-night crazy publication I didn't really trust. But now the New York Post wrote it, and it says the uh, the guy who was suspected of killing the kids in uh, in Idaho allegedly tried to expose himself and taunted the guards. It looks to me like – I'll read what he did. It looks to me like he's trying to uh, – you know, this guy is is very – Shrewd. So it looks to me like he's trying to build up an insanity defense by all of a sudden acting insane, right? So this, the, the suspect in this slaying of four university students allegedly tried to expose himself, sang violent rap songs, and threatened guards from a Pennsylvania jail cell. A fellow inmate told the Daily Mail that accused killer Brian Koberger explained, displayed bizarre and disturbing behavior. Uh, Valerie Shipolina, 50, told the outlet she witnessed Kohlberger during her six-hour stay at the jail after she was arrested for domestic violence. You come in here and I'll cut you. I'm going to pee in your face. Do what you want with me. I don't give a shit. Shipolina came. Kohlberger yelled at one guard. This is from a supposedly – everyone who's uh, described this guy says he's kind of uh, s- silent, stays to himself, doesn't say much, right? Now, all of a sudden, in jail – before he's extradited, he's saying these crazy things. She told the Daily Mail that she was holding him. Yeah, said she didn't recognize him, but another inmate told her that's the guy who killed those college students. Uh, and then he exposed himself and he was talking about come in here and I'll cut everybody up. So I think he's trying to uh, uh, get in this insanity plea going, basically, by acting insane. So... Who knows? Who knows? This is all craziness. It really is. This year is starting out nutty. This year is starting out like we should fast forward to 2024. It's only day two. It's only day two. And all this crazy stuff is happening. Oh, my goodness. Maybe it is the end of the world. Maybe it's maybe it's the end of the world. Maybe it's climate. Maybe the climate's making I read a story today about how the climate can make you crazy. This was serious. It's like the climate is causing craziness. Climate change is causing everyone to go insane, you know, but uh, I don't know. Who knows? Anything's possible. Let's see what else. So I was going to get that Wall Street Journal article uh, about vaccines causing variants. Let's see if I can. Here we go. Uh, If I can find the Wall Street Journal. Once again, here we go. Oh, good. Surprising. And Google it was only halfway down the first page. Uh, are vaccines fueling new COVID variants? The virus appears to be evolving in ways that evade new immunity. This is by Alicia Finley of the Wall Street Journal. Public health experts are sounding the alarm about a new Omicron variant dubbed XBB that is rapidly spreading across the Northeast U.S. Some studies suggest it is as different from the original COVID strain from Wuhan uh, as the 2003 SARS virus, should Americans be worried? Well, it isn't clear that XBB is any more lethal than any other variants, but its mutations enable it to evade antibodies from prior infection and vaccines, as well as existing monoclonal antibody treatments. Growing evidence all suggests that repeated vaccinations may make people more susceptible to XBB and could be fueling the virus's rapid Evolution. Prior to Omicron's emergence in November 21, though only four variants have concerned Alpha, Beta, Delta, and Gamma. Sounds like a Ferrari, sorority, Ferrari house in uh, college. Only Alpha and Delta caused the surges of infections globally. 
But Omicron has begotten numerous descendants, many of which have popped up in different regions of the world, curiously bearing some of the same mutations. Such rapid and simultaneous emergence of multiple variants with enormous growth advantages is unprecedented, a December 19 study in the journal Nature notes. Under selective evolutionary pressures, the virus appears to have developed mutations that enable it to transmit more easily and escape antibodies elicited by vaccines and prior infection. The same study posits that immune imprinting may be contributing to the viral evolution. Vaccines do a good job of training the immune system to remember and knock out the original Wuhan variant, but when new and markedly different strains come along, the immune system responds less effectively. Bivalent vaccines that target the Wuhan and BA5 variants prompt the immune system to produce antibodies that target viral regions the two strains have in common. In Darwinian terms, mutations that allow the virus to evade common antibodies win out. They make it fitter. XBB has evolved to elude antibodies induced by the vaccines and breakthrough infections. Hence, the Nature study suggests current herd immunity and BA5 vaccine boosters may not efficiently prevent the infection of Omicron conversion variants. So what basically this is saying, this is like the game of whack-a-mole, right? Remember we get a whack-a-mole to, to the carnival where you whack one, another one pops up, then you whack that one, another one pops up, you whack that one, another pops up. But what this game of whack-a-mole does with big pharma is it makes them incredibly wealthy, right? Because you whack that mole and then another one pops up and big pharma goes, okay, now we've got to target that one. So think as the moles come up, big pharma is targeting them with the jab number seven, eight, nine, ten, right? Then you whack that one and another one pops up and, and, and big pharma says, oh, now we got to, well, now we got to jab that targets that mole, right? And this continues on and on. They know this is a game that never ends, but they make tons of money on it. Now, luckily, luckily, They'll stop at some point because with each uh, subsequent booster, with each, with each subsequent jab, a very, very small percentage of the population is going for it. So fewer and fewer people, millions and millions, they're, they're losing millions and millions and millions of customers per jab, basically. So they, 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 there might not be any more or there might be one more. But I mean, I think this latest one had what, 10%, not even 10%. Overall, I think it might have been single digits. So they know people aren't going to keep going for this. But this is what they've done as long as they could. And because of doing this, they have created all these variants. They have created these continued variants as the virus decides to elude and change the previous formula for the booster or vaccine. Similarly, a study this month in Journal Cell found that antibody levels of people had received four. Here, listen to this. This is the most interesting thing. I'm going to go back. A New England Journal of Medicine study published last month provides more evidence of the vulnerability caused by immune imprinting. Neutralizing antibodies of people who had received the bivalent were 26 times as high against the original Wuhan variant as they were against XBB and four times as high as they were against Omicron and the BA5 variant. Similarly, a study this month in the journal Cell found that antibody levels of people who received four shots were 145 times as high against the Wuhan strain as the XBB variant. A bivalent booster only slightly increased antibodies against XBB. Experts nevertheless claim that boosters improve protection against XBB. That's disinformation, to use their favorite term. A Cleveland clinic study that tracked its healthcare workers found that bivalent vaccines reduced the risk of getting infected by 30% while the BA5 variant was spreading. But as the study explained, the reason might be that workers who were more cautious, i.e. more likely to wear N95 masks and avoid large gatherings, may also have been more likely to get boosted. Notably, workers who had received 
more doses were at higher risk of getting sick. Let me read that again. Notably, workers who had received more doses were at higher risk of getting sick. Those who received three more doses were three and a half times as likely to get infected as the unvaccinated. Those who received three more doses were three and a half times as likely to get infected as the unvaccinated, while those who received two were only two and a half times as likely. So even if you only received two doses, you were still two and a half times as likely to get it than the unvaccinated. What happened? What happened to the pandemic of the unvaccinated? Joey, Joey Amtrak, I'm going to pinch your cheek, Joey Amtrak. What happened to the virus, of the unvaccinated? Joey, where'd it go? Where'd it go? This is not the only study to find the possible association with more prior vaccine doses and higher risk of COVID-19. We still have a lot to learn about protection from COVID-19 vaccination. And in addition to a vaccine's effectiveness, it is important to examine whether multiple vaccine doses given over time may not be having the beneficial effect that is uh, generally assumed. How about a vaccine that doesn't do what's generally assumed of a vaccine, which we've known to be the case for over two fucking years now? Two years ago, vaccines were helpful in reducing severe illness, particularly among elderly and those with healthcare risks like diabetes and being fat. But experts refused to concede that boosters have yielded diminishing benefits and may even have made individuals in the population as a whole more vulnerable to new variants like XBB. It may not be a coincidence that XBB surged this fall in Singapore, which has among the highest vaccination and booster rates in the world. Over the past several weeks, an XBB strain has become predominant in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Massachusetts, making about three quarters of virus samples. The variant has been slower to take off in other regions, making up only 6% in the Midwest and about 20% in the South. The Northeast is also the most vaccinated and boosted region in the country. So you know it'll be coming to California any second now. Hospitalizations in the Northeast have risen too, but primarily those over 70, which has always been the case since day one. One reason may be that the T-cell response, the cavalry riding behind the frontline antibodies, is weaker in old people. The virus can evade T-cells elicited by vaccines and infections as easily as it can antibodies. Because of T-cells, younger people are still well protected against new variants. Another reason may be that monoclonal antibodies are ineffective against XBB, and many older people who catch COVID can't take the antiviral Paxlovid because they have medical conditions such as severe kidney disease or take drugs to interfere with it. The Biden administration's monomaniacal focus on vaccines over new treatments has left the higher risk Americans more vulnerable to new variants. Why doesn't that seem to worry the experts? Well, 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 look at that. Look at that. Once again, but we all knew this two years ago, or those of us with a, a brain knew this two years ago. Once again, though, Alicia Finley says it in a very, you know, uh, professional medical way. Uh, she used a lot of medical terms and, and, and fancy terminology. But as we had said two years ago on social media, you don't vaccinate. If you said you don't vaccinate, we shouldn't be vaccinating, right? During a pandemic, you were canceled. They put a, they either canceled you or they put, you know, the, one of those tags where you go to the CDC website and they tell you how, how brilliant and wonderful these vaccines are. Or if you wrote something if you said what she just said in simpler terms, such as these vaccines are causing more variants, you were either canceled totally or they put a little tag on the you, which took you to the CDC website, which told you how wonderful the vaccines were. That's what happened. That's what happened. That's what needs to be investigated, which is why we need a goddamn speaker.
and stop playing those games. We need a speaker. We need to get to the bottom of all this. People need to be punished. And by people, I mean Fauci. New Year. I know. I was there with you. How was it after that? You you included Fauci and people? Mm. Fauci. um, What was that? What was that? Oh, what was the the line from the movie? Oh, Soylent Green. Soylent Green is people, right? Soylent Green is people. Is Fauci people? I don't know. Yeah, it's a a tough one. Um, For for the sake For the um, sake of uh, sentencing and imprisonment, where I guess um, uh, including them within the ranks of people is going to be um, helpful. Um, the question, question is, how, how did we get here? Um, knowing uh, full well that, you know, as you were saying over two years ago, that uh, this, is, this is what would happen if you vaccinate, attempt to vaccinate during a pandemic. And this is exactly what one would expect. None of, the, none of this is new. This is um, imprinting, uh, original, otherwise known as original antigenic sin, um, and it has been well known for a long time. And there's many other reasons that you do not want to vaccinate during a pandemic. You save that for endemics. One of the big reasons there, of course, we all know is establishing safety. It takes a long time to establish safety. So how did, how did all of this occur? That's what the question everyone should be asking, because your physician, if your physician was able, would have told you all of this. Your physician would have told you that that it is that we could damn well expect that these uh, vaccines are going to perform poorly. First, first of all, you were told that that's exactly what we could expect. Multiple reasons for why we would expect them to perform poorly. Um, possibly the main ones would be that the, it's a coronavirus and, and they mutate rapidly. They're very well known for doing that. And um, let's see, what are some of the other other reasons? Um, it's, it's, it's spike protein only. That's the only antigen involved here. It's, it's not a killed virus. So you don't have all kinds of potential proteins to which you could have cross-reactive immunity, especially with T cells. Um, so there was a, a ton of reasons that we that any physician would have warned their patients that this is not going to be a vaccine that you would really want to take, but they didn't do that. And the question is why they didn't do that. And the answer is simple. Most of us know this by now, and that is that our physicians are parts of big health maintenance organizations, and they do not have the independence that they had once upon a time 30 years ago or so. And there, as I, you know, as I um, commonly um, refrain, there's reciprocity everywhere in this universe. So the forces that uh, be during the uh, mid-80s that thought HMOs were going to save us all from the rising tide of, of, of uh, health care costs um, didn't factor in some of these reciprocities that were going to occur um, once you control uh, medicine to the degree that they have. And this is one of them that we're seeing. There are many. This is one of them we're seeing, this uniformity of, of opinion that is dictated from the top down. And that top has of this medical industrial complex has interests of its own that are do not align with individual patient interests. So how did we get here? Once again, how did we get here? And I submit that the that the biggest the biggest one single reason, causative agent, if you will, for why our medical system has evolved to the way it has is obesity. 
we used to have a, an obesity rate that was someplace around four or five percent in this country only what 50 years ago now it's 42 percent with that obesity the medical industrial complex grew from the point that about 30 years ago, we were spending about 7% of our GDP. Now we're spending over 22, 23% of our GDP on medical care. The power, the political power and the, the, and the financial power of the medical industrial complex has grown enormously because of obesity, because of this one disease, obesity. And with that, what you have sacrificed was not only your individual health, but control over your health because that obesity pandemic gave way to HMOs in order to try to reduce costs and it didn't work, but it gave way to HMOs and it gave way to PPOs and it gave way to all these various uh, um, uh, um, means of trying to manage our health that did nothing but centralize power. And now that centralized power is dictating to our physicians, how they can deal with us as individuals. If, if, if you want to reverse the, 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 the course of this problem, it's simple. Eliminate obesity. Everybody has to play their part in doing this. It should be a, as matter of fact, part of your behavior, controlling your weight should be as matter of fact, a part of your behavior as not drunk driving. It is that it is that dangerous to our society, even more so, even more dangerous than drunk driving. Drunk driving may have added 20,000 extra deaths out of the 40,000 that we presently have on our highways back in the day when it was more common. Obesity and the repercussions of obesity, in particular, this panhysteria that has been generated is costing far, far, far more lives than that. We have to get this under control, and it's not to be solved by anyone but ourselves as individuals. And when we solve that, we will deny those in the medical industrial complex that have usurped this huge degree of power, we will deny them that power. It is up to us to get this under control as individuals, to deny them that power and take back our power once again and have our physicians more independent once again. We simply have to deprive them of that source of power. And that power, source of power is the money that we are willing to, to strangely dump into correcting the diseases that we cause for ourselves. Well, and this is a perfect time, New Year's resolution time, right? Let's people, people should have, you know, people should really take this more seriously now. I think they should. And there was this talk today about, I saw something online about someone asked the question, uh, is obesity the fault of the person who gets heavy? The person who gains all this weight, is it, is it their fault? And I, you know, I'm not an expert on that, but I, off the top of my head, I think I'd be right. I think most doctors would agree with me that the overwhelming majority of people it is their fault. There are some people, right? There's a certain select people. It's a small percentage of people who have thyroid issues or other problems where their weight gain is not them overeating. But my guess is maybe you have more insight on this. For most people, for the majority, for the overwhelming majority, they overeat. Am I right? You should consider that you should you should assume that it is all of our faults individually, even people that may have metabolic disorders like thyroid disease. 
most weight gain for thyroid is, isn't um, uh, due, due to accumulation of fat. Um, it's, it's, it's myxedema, um, and it's, it's something different. Um, it, does, it does affect fat metabolism, as a lot of hormonal imbalances to affect met, the fat metabolism, um, thyroid hormone, growth hormone, etc. There's lots of reasons, uh, and lots of ways for fat metabolism to go, to go wrong. But in general, all of, we, all of us are pretty much, for all, you should, you should assume that you are no different than anybody else metabolically speaking, when it comes to uh, metabolism of energy sources. If you try to blame your uh, obesity problems, your weight problems on uh, uh, idiosyncratic metabolic differences, you're fooling yourself. And, and you are going to, and, and if there is some difference between you and the average person, it's gonna be of fourth order importance. You wanna deal with the zeroth order stuff, the zeroth order stuff is simple, and we all know what it is. Calories in equals calories out if you want to maintain your weight. If you want to reduce weight, you got to consume about 35,000 less, 3,500 less kilocalories um, to, to lose one pound. The equation is simple. The, the, doing it is the hard part. And it requires behavioral changes. Well, but, you know, once again, I've, you know, as someone who's worked out now for what, 25, 26 years, I do know that people always talk about the calorie thing and burning calories. And I'm I'm going to go on, you know, uh, uh, on the treadmill. I'm going to burn this many calories. I'm going to eat this many calories. And people write down obsessively how many calories they're eating. I don't think that's necessary. I think you just need to eat. Look, eat normally. You know what I'm saying? Eat when I, uh, when I yeah. eat to live, don't live to eat, right? Eat exactly. reasonably, eat reasonably, and get a, and get a, and get some exercise every day. I think you're, if you eat reasonably and you get some exercise every day, I think you're going to be fine. Am I right? Yes, and 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 here, here's what I, I, I when I when I'm trying to lose weight, and, and I am I am presently, and I, th- I think I need to lose three or four pounds. And um, when when I do this, um, I don't count calories. I simply look in the mirror and and I say, "Am I seeing any progress?" And and if I don't think I am, then I go to bed hungry at night, a little bit hungry. And every day that I go to bed just a little bit hungry, I'm losing weight. You don't really have to keep um, tight control. And, and matter of fact, it's going to drive you nuts if you keep tight control over counting calories in and counting calories out and counting how much exercise you do and trying to figure out how many kilocalories that you're burning by various exercises. That's going to drive you nuts. You will not have the mental stamina to keep up that routine for long and you will fail. So you have to make it, whatever your method is, you have to make it robust. The most important thing that I think that, that I or um, health experts, particularly health experts that deal with weight loss, the most important thing that they can tell you to make sure that you succeed behaviorally, because that's where it's at, the most important thing is for you to develop meaning in your life. Yes, absolutely. Of that, there's no doubt. Of that, there's no doubt. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we deal with, especially even gaining weight, is, is psychological, and it fills voids, right? It fills voids that we don't, we, that we, we, we're filling a void. It could be emotion, emotionally, psychologically, whatever it could be. It could be emotionally, it could be sexually, but it fills a void, just like any other compulsion, just like any other obsession. I, I, look, I have said this, people think I'm, I'm joking, but Trump has filled a void for a lot of people, right? Obsession over Trump, COVID, obsession over COVID has filled a void for a lot of people to the, to the point where they don't want 
Trump or COVID to really go away. They might say, yeah, oh, yeah, of course I want Trump and COVID to go away. But they don't because it's filled such a void in their life. Their life has been so empty without this and before these these two things, a person and a a virus or a person they would consider a virus, that they, they, they can't let it go. They can't let it go because they have to go back to where they were before, which is a life of emptiness where there's just too much missing that this stuff fills up. And when it comes to eating, it's the same thing. Food, right? Food, liquor, alcohol, uh, smoking, this, all this stuff really fills a void. Yeah. The easier, our life, this is another one of those reciprocal relationships they like to talk about. Um, the easier our lives have got, the less we str- the less we have struggled, the less meaning we have in our lives. This should tell us it's something, this should tell everybody something, that meaning and struggle in life are connected. It's linked. And you you should strive every day to struggle at something. Struggle to make yourself better in some way. Struggle to just survive. Whatever it is, you should be struggling every day. That is what is going to give you meaning in your life, is that struggle. And we have, this is, we evolved in this sense to find meaning in struggle because for our ancestors who didn't have it as damned easy as we have it now, for our ancestors, struggle was their daily existence and conquering that struggle, uh, succeeding in that struggle is what gave their lives daily meaning. And those those fleeting moments of happiness that the one, they could share with one another after the struggle is what gave their lives daily meaning. We've lost that. We've lost the sense of struggle. Many people lost that sense of struggle. Uh, so, so get that sense of struggle back. And by that, I don't mean make your life hard on yourself intentionally. What I'm saying is challenge yourself. When you challenge yourself, you'll find meaning. And when you find meaning in your life, you will stop thinking about food as, as incessantly as Americans do. And you you won't be picking up that, you know, ice cream bar or that can of sugary uh, soda just to to fill, you know, a moment in the day. Um, You'll be thinking about that thing that's of interest to you. Maybe you have a passion for music. Maybe you have a passion for, for writing. Maybe you have a passion for exercise. Whatever it is, develop those passions. Exactly. I agree with you 100 percent. I, you know, uh, and and my, my my passion, my passion is to uh, absolutely uh, hold Fauci accountable in 2023. That is an excellent passion. And I can tell you there's a lot of people that are keeping their weight down as we speak, working hard on that very, that very goal. <laughs> That's going to keep me in tip top shape, man. It's going to keep me in tip top you know, shape, tip top Throw yourself into anything and you will see your health improve. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly. And make it something positive, right? You don't want to play. What you don't want to do, what some people do is replace one bad obsession with another bad obsession. That's another problem, right? Replacing one, uh, you know, bad obsession with another one. That that you don't want to do. That we don't want to do. Of course not. You, it, want, to keep, it, you right. want to keep it. You want to keep it positive. You want to keep yep. it positive. And when you want to find, you want to find that balance, you, you know what you have to do yeah. in your life in order to survive. You know what you have to do in your life in order to um, maintain the necessary relationships you have in your life. You know all of these things. Get them down to their to their bare essentials. Um, 
uh, I live in, in a, a studio apartment. I could afford apartment and a home, uh, a lot bigger, uh, fancy cars, etc. I choose not to do any of that. And I, and I cannot, t- the more stuff that I get rid of, I still got stuff in, in one of my closets that I don't need. Um, but the more, st- and I give a little bit of away every, every, every week or so on the weekends, I, I will um, put stuff in the uh, next door ads or on the, uh, um, uh, um, God, what's, what's that other? Craigslist? Craigslist, yeah. yeah. And, and, and just get rid of stuff. Every every time I get rid of stuff, I feel it, it it it's it's just it's hard to describe. It's this lightness of being that it creates, and 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 I remember back to my pre-divorce days, the heaviness of thought that I would feel from owning a home and owning three cars and uh, and raising children and, and one of the most fantastic experiences of my life was raising, raising my kids. But all this stuff combined just was this heaviness on one's mind and, and all these things that, um, that uh, my, my ex and I seemed to want were just nothing but traps. And as I've gotten older, I have found that the, the less I have, the more I'm, I'm able to focus on the things that I really want to keep in my life. So if I could get, if I could clear everything out of my apartment, um, including the books, get, getting, get, get them all on, on uh, download on my laptop. I'd be really happy if I could do that. Um, and uh, clear everything out except for uh, my, my laptop and uh, my guitars and, uh, and some, some pots and pans. I, I would be happy as a clam. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and I used to have a bazillion times more of that in, in the way of material possessions. And I simply... I never, never, never again do I want that in my life. Um, I just, I just, it's, it's, it's really, it's interesting to say the least to look back at my life and say, how did I get trapped into thinking that I needed to obtain these things? How did I allow myself, how did I allow that to happen? Part of it is because we all see acquiring certain things as a sort of rite of passage. So it's a socialization issue. It's a socialization, socialization phenomena that makes us do these things. But once we um, are given the opportunity to, uh, to make a choice about whether we eliminate them or not, those who, who make those eliminations and simplify their lives, they never want to go back to the complications right. of, of material, yeah. of too many material possessions. Absolutely. Um, when 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 all when you when your passion is, for example, making music, which is one of mine, and the only thing you see in your abode is your guitar, that is where your focus is going to be. But if you see, you know, uh, um, uh, three couches and and, <laughs> and and dining rooms sets and, and, yep. uh, and yep. four king size beds and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, a car you have to wash, three cars you have to wash, um, make sure that they don't have scratches on them or get them maintained. If that's what you see, then all your attention from this thing that's, that is really your passion is going to be diverted. It's as simple as that. If yep. all you got in your house is what you want, what you're passionate about, then that is all you're going to have to devote your attention to. That's it. That's pretty much right. Daniel, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks. thanks. Have a good night. All right. Okay. Yeah, it is. You know, that's all. It becomes an obsession. And I, we saw that, I saw that in the movie that, that I, I gave the best movie of the year to, The Whale, which is, 
it could be a trauma in someone's life, right? Which leaves them without a partner or a daughter or whatever it may be. And then people obsessively do something. They can obsessively drink. They can obsessively gamble or they can obsessively eat and get to the point where they become, you know, 600 pounds overweight. And, uh, of course that's extreme examples, but that, that's, that's what could happen. And I, I think we're seeing, we've seen a lot of that over the last three years is people have had nothing to look forward to, right? They were told they couldn't go see their relative. They were told they couldn't go on vacation. They couldn't travel without the passports. Is that, and it's, it's, it's created this, this really backlog, if you will, of, 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 of people who would just have, have, have a lot of voids in their life. And so what happens? It's a, it's a bad cycle. What happens? Then people eat, they become obese, they get diabetes, they become more susceptible to COVID and a number of other diseases. So it's, it, once again, the, the, the more I talk about this, the, the angrier I get, the more we delve into how we were so hurt over the last three years by someone like Fauci hurt by someone like that who prevented so many people from living their lives, some people from getting the information they needed from other doctors, right, that could have balanced out with what Fauci was talking about. People could have said, no, I think I'll take the chance. I think I'll take the chance and live. And so many people didn't because Fauci and his minions and his mafia censored and deleted and bullied people. Bill, how was your New Year, Bill? Hey, Mike. Um, <laughs> uh, as I told you before, it's uh, I spent a lot of time because um, I'm the whistleblower in Corruptica. And so, <laughs> like, my, like my public defenders told me, a lot of people don't like me. I made a lot of enemies stepping on some toes. You know what I mean? <laughs> So yeah, depends. Anyway. You, you know, you're not gonna, people who blow you who who you blow the whistle on aren't going to like you, Bill. That's the way it goes. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> That's the way it goes. But you'll make That's friends. Life. But you make friends from the people who who appreciate that kind of honesty and appreciate you know uh, you blowing the whistle on on people who deserve it to be blown on, right? So you 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 always make friends along the way with that stuff, also. But you make enemies. Oh yeah, there's good. Yeah. Good, I, I, good cops in every police department who've thanked me and, and uh, you know, uh, even the state's attorney I know, you know, there, there are people who appreciate it, senators and house reps, because I, when, I, when I blow the whistle, I get it out everywhere. That's how you, you fight back. You know what I mean? Yeah. you got to spread the word. And, but, the, you know, the, the ones that don't like it, they have friends. You know what I mean? And, and they, they can make life pretty miserable for you. But anyway... Uh, I there's so much you touched on. Um, I want to say, you know, I, you know, I had some uh, play with a, a good college team. We went and football NCAA quarterfinals, and then I got signed the NFL and the CFL. I wouldn't take the steroids and growth hormone. What I wanted to say was, you know, there's a lot of effects from performance enhancing drugs that can affect the heart, and I'm not suggesting. I know what this guy was on or anything like that. But it's as like Lyle Elzado said, you know, when he came out in Sports Illustrated when he got cancer and he said, I lied, you know. I don't remember that. Remember Lyle when he died of a brain tumor? And, you know, he said most of the guys he knew were using stuff. It's it's right, the only right, thing I can say right. to your audience is it hasn't really changed. It's just, you know, they have a testing program. The players know 
when they're going to be tested for the most part and how many days ahead of time. So whether they want to evade the tests on growth hormone levels or steroids, the, the, the NFL is not into or college football exposing and regulating that. Do you follow me? It's still creating health issues. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the long-term effects. 12 of the guys I play with are dead already. Three shot, killed themselves, hung, shot themselves. I think they had CTE. Who knows? But, you know, and I'm, I need both hips done, and I got displaced vertebrae. Now, all I'm saying is, uh, in the bigger picture, uh, here's another casualty. You know, if it, it could have been just, like you said, freak thing from the impact. I, 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 I would not have, if I had to do all over again, I wouldn't play football. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, you it, know, there are a lot of parents now, who, there are a lot of parents now who don't want their kids going into football. You know, yeah. they don't want because of the, because of the contact. So, you know, you have basically parents who want their kids to go into things like baseball. Right. Right. Uh, and, and much less contact sports, whether it may be, you know, who, who, what else could it be? It could be tennis, you know, I, hockey, certainly a very high contact sport, but not like football. Football is constant Basketball. contact. Football is constant yeah. contact, you know, and, and, yeah. uh, and, and we've, we've seen, and the brain injuries, uh, concussions right. we've seen in everything, concussions we see in hockey, concussions we see in baseball. I know uh, umpires that have gotten concussions and had to re- retire because of the ball hitting their, their helmet, you know, so uh, their their visor and all that stuff. So it, it, it a face mask enough where with enough force that you can get concussions. We've seen that a lot from home plate umpires. So it's not just okay. football, but football yeah. is obviously the sport where you're most likely to get several concussions. You know, so. Well, the thing is with CTE, it's, it's the worst is for the off the the linemen and linebackers because there's constant contact every play and there's big G forces. You know, um, um, the other one, like MMA. I hate to see guys doing MMA. They're catching raw knees and elbows, and I'm like, God damn, they're gonna they're gonna be hurting. And it's only a matter of time with for the CTE. The tau proteins build up in the brain and cause short short circuits and the synapses and the circuitry I, I wow you know what my grandmother used to say to me all the time mike and god i wish to listen to grandma jean she'd say <laughs> bill bill play 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 she says but play piano yeah these days is another aspect of this which makes it you know, uh, something that a lot of young people want to do look at the kind of money you can make in sports these days I mean, look, I, I know the pros is, is incredibly rare, but look at the money you can make if you do, you know, where. Yeah, the, the thing with that is, oh, my, the percentage of college players that even have an NFL career is like 1.8, you know, that even gets signed. Don't don't forget the draft is about 250 odd guys. How many seniors a year are graduating around the country? Do you follow me? I and then you get yeah. you get some guys picked in a combine, which I was three out of 175 guys. And then you got to go through the camp. You get the cuts, the injuries, you know, the, the, you know, at some point it's a very small percentage. And then there's the injury factor. And, and then if you're talking high school, you're down to like point, whatever it is, some point, small decimal point that make it from a high school all the way. So I, it, it, you know, it's a very small, narrow group. And in the meantime, there's a lot of carnage. A lot of guys who end up, one of the guys I played has been in a wheelchair since his thirties. You know what I mean? Oh my and uh, back injuries. And uh, so anyway, I just, 
wanted to share that. I, I know people love the game. One of the bigger problems is, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, you know, force equals mass times velocity. With the performance-enhancing drugs, you see a lot more injuries. You know, back when you you go back, well, the NFL, got Ron Mix talks about the NFL getting included with steroids in the early 60s when the the coaches, uh, trainers went over to Russia and studied how they were using the drugs in the Olympic lifts and stuff. And they were distributed through, the, the drugs were distributed through the, through the trainers, you know, in other words, that's the way it was back in the day. But that's when guys started getting a lot bigger, faster, stronger. And then, of course, the impacts and the injuries increased with that. And so uh, you remember Nick Bonaconti, for example? Yeah, he was like course, 200 pounds. I mean, middle linebackers, middle linebackers were maybe two and a quarter, two, two and a quarter for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Dicka was big at 240. Do you follow me? Yes. And, uh, Jack Ham, those guys, the Steeler guys were like 215 push, you know what I mean? And they weren't running sub five flats. You know what I mean? These guys get bigger, faster, stronger. It's crazy. Um, than the G forces that are generated and the impact. And so, uh, it, it's, 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 it's just gotten out of hand where I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of, I wish I played piano and done. No, she used to say to me, play piano. You'll be just like Liberace, Billy. You have all the pretty women. I said, Grandma, you've seen Liberace? I have all the pretty (laughs) men in sequence. I'm not into that, you know? (laughs) All those pretty rings. (laughs) That that too. I was like, but if only, you know, I I came along a little later when Billy Joe, if I was coming up with Billy Joe and I saw Christy Brinkley, I said, yeah, I'll play piano. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's it. But also, that's also incredibly rare, right? To make it to that point. And I know, anything, I know. But Dan, uh, Bill, uh, sorry, Daniel has a, a question. He says, "Can can you comment on football contracts? Do such contracts potentially limit how much a player can tell us about their health?" So, there's, do play? I don't believe they do. In the in the contracts these players sign, do they sign some kind of agreement where they can't talk about their health? Or I didn't. Not in the contract I signed, but that was, I got signed, when did I get signed? 85. So I, I and then 86. So I, I never saw that in any contract I signed. Um, I don't know. I, to be honest, there may be now. Uh, yeah, you, but usually there, I mean, the, 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 HIPAA, the, the HIPAA requirements say you really can't talk about a player's health, right? Yeah. I mean, of course, until the I, vaccine, then we can talk about who was vaccinated and unvaccinated. HIPAA didn't matter, right? When it came to who was vaccinated, who wasn't vaccinated, the unvaccinated can be outed. You know that that was no problem. Yeah. Of course, of course, that's true. I never thought of that. You're right. Of course, it's that. totally illegal. They just decided not yeah. to care about HIPAA when it came to the vaccines. But I know that you can't. There is, you know, like the hockey. I, I don't think they're doing it in football right now. But in hockey, they won't tell you. They won't tell the media what kind of a injury a player has specifically. They'll just say upper body lower body the player themselves really? can say it if oh. they want but no one else can say it the management can't say oh, oh the management can't say oh it's an acl the management can't say oh it's a shoulder they just say upper body and lower body that's it okay so that that's a new thing that's yeah. happened over the last i'd say two or three years you know so um I, well like, yeah. like the thing with with carlos correa you know with his uh 
exam, but the Giants and the exam didn't go right. And and then they said, we don't want you anymore. And now the mess took the, the mess did the exam and showed the same thing. And they're not sure if they want him anymore. But I, I, I believe it was not the place. I think we finally found out something about the injury, some ankle or something. But I don't believe the I don't believe like the teams had the right to say this is the exact injury that he has. They could just say there was something on the medical report we didn't like, you know, and then you have to do investigating and the, you know, people do, you know, sports journalists will do investigating and they found that has something to do with the operation on his ankle, I believe from like uh, eight, nine years ago. Yeah. But so there are rules, but I don't think the player contract, I don't think the players sign anything saying that they're muzzled, that they can't talk about their injuries. I would say if, not that I know of. If the player's comfortable saying it to the media, then he's talking about himself. Yeah, he's no, not he's talking right. about anybody the, the else. So. Talk about their own injuries, yeah. but no one else can bring up those injuries without the the consent, I believe. Right, player, that's you know. probably likely. Yeah, you know, which yeah. I guess could make sense because they have a career to worry about, right? You know, yeah, so that's uh, yeah. you know, but I, but I do see the, I see it from both points of view. I see it from the parents' point of view. Yes, they worry about their children, their children, their health. But I also see it from the point of view of boy, if you make it. And I do know the way these contracts are written that, you know, you can get that's why these players want 10 year contracts, 12 year contracts, because if you get hurt in year number two of that contract, you're paid for the rest of it. So who wouldn't want that? Of course, only athletes get these kinds of contracts. Regular people don't get a contract where you sign with a company and you get a 10 year contract. And if you get sick in year three, you're paid for the next seven years. You know, regular people don't get that. They're out on their asses with nothing. But these players, they get these huge contracts that give them security for the rest of their of their of their lives, really. For 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 you know, they 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 they're set for life. They're set for life. I have a problem with those kinds of contracts. I don't think that if you have a ten year contract and you get injured in year two, that you should be paid for the next eight years. But that's the way it works. That is the way it works. So Yeah. I, I I'm to be honest with you, I don't watch football anymore or, or even baseball. I, You know what? My father had a bicycle shop, right? And, of course, at one point we're all idolizing Lance Armstrong, you know, for all the Tour de France. And then he brought the Tour de France to America, really, in the sense, to, into the public eye, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Then we had the, you know, the home run era. And then we saw the you know, the Olympic athletes getting bigger, faster, stronger. Then it, all of a sudden we started to realize a lot of these people were using performance enhancing drugs across the board. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And to me, I had, I had lived it and I saw, you know, the steroid rages. I saw guys have steroid rages, you know, when they're on a lot of juice and they couldn't control their emotions and did mm-hmm. really dumb stuff. And I saw the guys getting hurt and I saw the, uh, also guys who, I mean, it becomes an air, a very unplay, unfair playing field, you know, because it's, it's so drug enhanced that it's, you know, it, 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 huge advantages. And, uh, and, and I just got disillusioned, you know what I mean? Because of the whole culture. And, yeah. um, I know Harry Carson, remember he was a middle linebacker, all pro for the Giants. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He he got he was very upset because he was injured, but not so badly that he couldn't play. And I remember it was one of his last seasons of going into playoff games. But because of the way the contract was written, if he 
played those extra games, how much more he would have been paid versus having the guy who was coming up who was really going to be taking his spot anyway. Right. So it became a political thing. And so I just remember he was very disgusted with the whole business side of it. And um, I think he became an attorney to help players, as I'm trying to recall. But, you know, when the, the total amount for all the players from all the years, like 66 years of all the players who may have CTE, if I recall correctly, it was under a billion dollars that they allotted. It was like a nominal amount of money, like $760 million, which worked out to, if you count all the players um, that maybe submitted First of all, if you submitted a claim on that, they, the NFL and their attorneys would use every possible reason they could not to pay out because there's no way to prove it till you're right. dead, number one, right. they do right. an autopsy. And, but number two, like take a guy like Gasnow. Remember Gasnow, the outside? Yeah. Yeah. Right? He boxed some after playing in the NFL. He had a short yeah. boxing career, relatively short. Mm-hmm. But, of course, the lawyers are like, well, you know, he was claiming he had CT, he had trouble remembering things. He was ruined his relationships when he got a, a, a certain age. And, well, you know, you could have got it from boxing. Jesus Christ, the guy played for how many years? What's the number of contact and, concu- you know, possible uh, getting his head rocked versus how, many, how long he boxed? And But it's a business. Yep. And so they'll use any reason to minimize liability and exposure. Do you follow me? So you get these guys, you know, sure, some some make good money, but no amount of money is worth your cognitive ability at some point. You know what no, I mean? Right, and, uh, right, exactly. At, at some point you have to, like, you know, when you, and, and the thing when I understand from concussions and brain injuries is that once you get one concussion, you're more susceptible to other concussions, right? Once true. you get your first, you're more susceptible to subsequent concussions. Yeah. And, you know, you're getting concussions, you know, two, three, four, five concussions in a, in a, in a career or a very short period of time, not even over a full career, yes. over, over the course of a few years, you know, you're getting to the point where, forget about, obviously CTE is, is a possibility in the future, but you're getting to the point where one more concussion can end your life, you know, so at some point, and they've tried, right, they've tried to make these better helmets, they've tried to make rules where you, the head contact and you're, you can't do head contact, you know, they're giving out suspensions for head contacts for, you know, uh, illegal targeting and all that stuff that so they've tried. But you're in a game that's so god darn fast. I mean, the game is yeah. so fast. It's a fast game with very powerful, strong men. And yeah. so these things are going to happen by accident. They're going to they're gonna happen. You know, and football player, uh, quarterbacks like that, that quarterback, you know, you get tacked, you get sacked and your head hits the ground. You know, it that yeah. causes a concussion, you know, even just the remember, force of getting sacked can do it. So it's, remember Kenny Stabler, he claimed he developed CT. And then also um, there was a fellow who long term dolphin backup. I forget his name. Not greasy. Anyway, but from their head hitting the ground. But also, you got to remember, you know, with the guys getting bigger, faster, stronger, and they got a lot more force momentum. I'll tell you what, the toughest guy in the field, in my opinion, has got to be the quarterback. Because you imagine you're standing there, and you you got to open up your chest to throw the ball. 
yes. you got this friggin' monster bearing down on you. You you yep. gotta have some kahunas because you know you're gonna get rocked when you're well, playing I've, I've linebacker. Always, I've, I've always felt that way. I, I understand the quarterbacks, obviously, but I've always it's like a catcher in baseball, right? But I've always yeah. felt I've always felt that way about about the the the, the uh, um the wide receivers, right? Because they're yeah. very vulnerable when they jump up, yeah. when they jump up vertically to catch the ball, and then they mm-hmm. get whacked in the in the chest, right? They catch the ball yeah. as they're coming down, boom, right in the chest. I've always thought, and I cannot, and it's amazing that those guys get right back up. They get right back up as though they were hit Most by a feather. Most of the time. As though they were hit by a feather. Yeah. But I, I can't believe, what I'm saying is I can't believe they're not injured more often. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the human body is pretty resilient, uh, you know, the pads, and but it does catch up with you. And then you remember Jim Otto, double zero? Yes. Um, and, or the Raiders, I'm sorry. And he got to a point where, you know, he, he could barely function and walk. Dick Buck, uh, Dick Buckus, remember him where he was dragging one leg at one point, you know, he catches up with guys and, uh, um, some guys say no matter what it was worth it, other guys look back and say, you know, you know what? No, I don't think so. And then, <laughs> you have those you lose, like you know, along the way, and um, so anyway, it's, it's it's just what can you say? I think there's others. Sure, you get head in, head injuries. You can get a head injury in basketball. You get head injury in baseball. But the frequency and the likelihood is much higher in boxing, MMA, and football than in those other sports. You know what I mean? Um, unless you, I didn't realize the umpires had an issue with that. I had no idea. That they would get clocked that much with a oh, foul I, ball. I, I actually had a a, uh, a friend who was a, a major league baseball umpire, and uh, uh-huh. he retired a few years ago, um, much earlier than he wanted to, because he had like five concussions. No, he had like five concussions from from being behind home plate and having the ball fouled off the bat and hit him in the mask. You know, but wow. once again, once he got the first one. It just made him more, and he didn't get the first one early in his career. He got one first one later in his career, and once he got it, he was more susceptible yep. just to getting them. So basically, any you know, it was like too often the balls. We see it all the time, right? The balls are fouled off the bat, and they hit the umpire in the yeah, face, yeah. and they go back and they're dizzy, and they get checked out, and they go right back there. But he was getting concussions from that. Remember, the guy's throwing the ball 100 miles an hour. I know. <laughs> you got a strong person like Brady. Giancarlo Stanton swinging the bat. When the bat, when the ball comes off of Giancarlo's bat, it's 110 miles an hour. And it hits you sure. right in the mask, and you're a few inches behind the guy. So that's, that's yep. incredible force. Incredible force. You know, so that he had to retire. The doctor told him he can't take one more. You know, wow. so that's, that's just it, – it's a, it's a possibility – in any sport, even the least contact sports, you know, mm. and and so that's the problem. But when you're talking with football, you know, it's just much more and more likely that you're oh, going yeah. to have those concussion issues than in any other in any other sport, you know. So that's that's the problem. That's that's the problem. And you can't, you know, I know people out there, especially people on the right, you know, football in general has always been more of a. I find it to be more of a, a sport that right wingers like I, I i think i'm generalizing but i think it's generally true you know it's always okay. been like the american that all american conservative sport you know and it, you know a lot of the players look the players in hockey used to always come from canada now they come from california a lot more players colorado north dakota but there was a time and still the case the majority of players come from canada 
where the majority of players in this country who play football come from like middle America, right? They come from conservative America, the South, Southern universities, Southern high schools, colleges. So it's always been a much more conservative sport. And I, I see a lot of these people, you know, saying, oh, these parents are snowflakes who don't want their kids to play in college in, in football. But I don't think they're snowflakes. They're worried about their kids. No. They're worried about – think about the parents who saw Hamlin tonight. Look what happened to Hamlin tonight. Look at all those, yeah. par- those parents who have their kids, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, playing football. It's going to give them pause, isn't it? I, I like I said, it's, well, I'll tell you what. There was a, I live at the end of a dead end and there was a gas tie in being done for a, a, a new construction. And so there's cops sitting outside and I went outside and I like talking to people. So I'm bullshitting with them. This is when I used to be able to get, I don't, I can't even get up down the stairs anymore with my hips. But so anyway, so um, he goes, man, you know, you come and talk to the police athletically, talk to the kids about football, you know. I said, I don't think you'd like what I have to say. He says, what do you mean? I'd say, I'd say, tell him, I'd tell him my grandma tell me. <laughs> I said, play something else. <laughs> Stay away from MMA and boxing. Look what happened to Muhammad Ali and other boxers. You know, right, as, as, as an ex-football player, they don't expect you to say that, right? <laughs> right, right. I said, so, of course, I said, you're going to watch somebody else. Because a lot of cops are ex-football players, and they still promote it. You know, they want to see the kids get involved in the sport so they don't get tied up in the street. I get it. But I, I just wouldn't encourage them to do a contact sport like that. Because most of the guys I know, you know, like I said, man, as of a couple, two years ago, last time I talked to some of the guys, there were 12 from our URI team that had died already, and I was only 60. Oh, that's a goodness. lot of dead guys uh, that's, from a football That's, that's team. a crazy amount. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, I'm talking over four year, you know, it's not all one year, you know what I mean? But I mean, but from I, the I team. Mean, it's still yeah. a lot of guys. Yeah. It's a lot of guys, a lot of guys. And so, you know, and what the statistics are in the NFL, the average NFL lineman on average dies at age 55. People don't realize that, or at least it was. I don't know what it is exactly today, but, you know, that's a young man, you know, so. Relatively speaking. Well, and so if I'm a parent, a look, they're always look, they're always going to be enough kids. There are always be enough parents who who think it's fine, enough kids to play football. It's not like we're going to have you know a lack of, of of football players in the future. Not in this country. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's been the number one sport in this country for a long time now. For what? How, how many years? Over fifty years, and it'll continue to be. Mm-hmm. But 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 if I'm a parent and I got an athletic kid. And they're like kind of open to a lot of different sports. And I see them playing tennis and playing baseball and football. I'm going to say go for baseball because look, once again, it's a longer career, right? A long, generally a longer career, less problems after you retire. And the money in baseball now or basketball, right? It's just it, well too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, out of this world where we're seeing, you know what I would do? If I were a parent, I would want my son if they were into sports to become a major league baseball pitcher that's what I, that would be my perfect uh sport and position for my kid to play you're talking about a pitcher these pitchers the best pitchers now not even the best pitchers forget the best pitchers the average pitcher now makes ridiculous 10 15 20 million dollars a year average right but the best wow. pitchers make 30 40 million dollars a year so think about that 
40, 40 million dollars a year mm-hmm. is more than one million dollars if you're a starting pitcher more than those are the ones making that kind of money one million dollars per start man one more than a million dollars for one mm. start one game one day okay now it's obscene right more money than anybody will many people will make in their entire lifetime a major league mm-hmm. baseball pitcher will make in one one start one start which encompasses Nowadays, there's usually five, six innings, so 90 minutes, hour and a half, right? 80 pitches, 90 pitches, a million dollars. Think about that. Think, think, just think about that for a second. It's crazy. It's absurd. But it certainly would be my preference, you know, if I had a, if I had a kid. Or if I was still, you know, if I can go back and do it over again and be 15, 10, 15 years old and be in baseball, into baseball, which I was, I would have stayed in it and tried to develop my arm. Because that's where the money is, and it's probably also one of the more how can I call it? It's not totally safe. We've seen we've seen pitchers through the years get baseballs lined over yeah. their heads, right? We've seen yeah. we've seen we've seen it happen, but I, I yeah. but, it's, it's, but you're less likely. It's less likely to have uh, a a you know uh, a life altering injury being a starting pitcher than in many right. other, you know uh, many other positions in many other sports. So that that would be it for me. You know, if, if I were a parent, so I can totally understand parents saying, "You know what? Stay just stay away from football. You know, stay away. You know, unless you're so passionate, just, you can't do anything else. Stay away from football." I I would look at you know kids uh, they want they think they don't want to listen to parents sometimes. I just say, study the numbers, look at the injury rates, look at the. You know the mortality rate, the, the, what the age, average age, when are these guys passing, what are they dying of, and make up your mind. I mean, I I know how I feel about it, but I, that's what I would say, and have have not lived through it. Um, and and uh, because the other thing is, there's a lot of I know a lot of guys who end up taking performance enhancing drugs because they wanted to play so bad, and they to get. To that level, they really didn't have a choice. Do you follow me? It's either yeah, do it or don't play. You know, right. for me, I was a good enough athlete where I didn't have to go down, and I worked really hard. It was just I didn't need to, you know. But most of the guys I played with did, and um, and then it depends on what level you're playing on. You could, you know, if but if you're looking to make a career out of it, then you're kind of. I could tell you this, you know, once the. Well, let's put it this way. There's guys I played against in college who made it in the NFL who I used to be able to easily handle in college. Do you follow me? Yeah, I got And you. then yeah. they got on this stuff, and I don't want to name names, but I did play against guys that even won Super Bowl rings. And the difference once they got heavily into the use of the PEDs was just incredible difference. And, and you can imagine a guy gaining – 50, 60 pounds of muscle and they get bigger, faster, stronger. And that's what happened. That much can and does happen. Right. Um, it's very difficult to compete against that. And they're healing faster too. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, when I was up in uh, Saskatchewan with the Rough Riders the year, they went to their Grey Cup and in camp 
like I said, my my pseudo claim to fame was with the Patriots in '85 when they won the Super Bowl in camp, and I got caught with the Rough Riders in '86. They won their Grey Cup. Went out in camp, and I got caught. So we think I got cut by some decent teams, you know. And I stick around, but I got signed anyway. Yeah, they were. But, those, those, those. If you get, yeah. get cut, get get cut by good ones, not bad ones, right? Yeah. Oh my God, I got cut by so, a team that has one win. Just, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I joke about it that way. But what I'm getting at is two things. One, oh, by the way, in the live chat, I, I put a photo link. The letter Ray Barry wrote me when they cut me, which was nice. You know, Coach Barry. Oh, I'll check had, that out. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a good guy, too. Really good guy. Um, I remember Super him. I remember guy. Ray Barry. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and some of the plays, like Steve Nelson, what a nice guy. Guy was a Midwestern guy, all pro. And yet he was so just a nice guy with the rookies and, you know, would talk to us and stuff. You know, some of the guys, you know, they have you get in there and they feel like you're competing for their jobs. But also there's a hierarchy and, you know, none of that with Nelson. He was totally done. What a great there. A lot of a lot of guys, I should say. Cool. But but um, um, but gosh. Oh, I remember the night before I got the knock on the door. When I was with the Rough Riders, I was laying in bed, Mike. It felt like every part of my body had a bruise on it. I was so banged up, you know. And I remember saying, well, Lord, you know what? If I got the knock on the door in the next morning and I'm ready to roll, I don't think I could do another day of this. And sure enough, the next morning, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Time to go. Go, you know, go see so-and-so. I was like, all right, thank God. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't have to quit. Because... <laughs> I tell you what, this, it's amazing how much bigger, when how much harder the guys are hitting when they're that much bigger, faster, stronger, and it just takes a toll on you. It you does. know what I mean? Absolutely. Real toll. You know, it's just crazy. You played as long. Bill, I'm gonna let you go. Thanks for the call. I okay, brother. Good Thank talking you. to you. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. I do want to end on on one little note tonight and that's going back i'm glad we got into this conversation about football it was important after what happened in the bills Bengals game tonight um peter mccullough who is a cardiologist um, and once again i want to make sure it's understood that there's no there's no evidence of connection between the vaccine and what happened in that football game it seemed as though that was a it was a blunt force trauma uh thing in a rare occurrence at that um peter mccullough said this is bit there's, there's also there's a there's a page there's a a you can follow on twitter called died suddenly and if that's more about a lot of these people who were in, and you could infer from it what you want you know there are a lot of these young people who are healthy and that is basically and they die and they just drop dead and and it often has one of their loved ones saying this person died at this young age and had no health problems and blah, blah, blah. But uh, so Peter McCullough uh, retweeted a died suddenly post from earlier today. Um, a man, and this is often the case too, and this is not to make fun of these people. This is not for that reason. But often you'll see these people who die suddenly, these young people who help people die suddenly. If you go back to their Twitter or their Facebook photo, they'll have that. I got my vaccine. You get one too. You know, I got my vaccine. I got my vaccine. So the thing we know from it is that they are vaccinated. Absolutely. And if they put, let's put it this way. Most people who are going to go on Facebook and Twitter and put a photo and put the I got my vaccine thing around their photo 
we can all do this, get vaccinated. Those people probably more likely to have gotten all of the vaccines, right? Because they're really into it. A guy named David Ray Kent died suddenly. His wife shared on social media, for those that are wondering, it was a pulmonary embolism, blood clot in the lung that took my precious husband away. He was fully, and she puts this, this is her, this is her, this is the wife. He was fully vaccinated and she puts two needles. So she's also, of course, blaming the the vaccine. And, And Peter McCullough writes, can only hope everyone will realize the lethality of spike protein induced thrombosis. Will only stop when all someday we say no mas in complete and final unison. So he's talking about the, the spike vaccines causing, causing uh, thrombosis, blood clots in the lungs, pulmonary embolisms. This seems to be more and more common. This is like a myocarditis thing. This seems to be more of a pattern. Um, yeah. So you know, this is continuing on and on and on and on and on and on and on, and you can only hope that one day people wake up to this, you know, this, this new thing, people saying, Oh, you know, I died of a coincidence. This is, this is a new thing, right? He died of a, they died of a coincidence, a coincidence. Oh boy. All right. Well, that's our first show of the new year. I want to thank uh, the callers, Daniel and Bill, you know, we're, we're just, they're just starting the new year. <laughs> I really hope that now everyone's going back to work and Congress. We'll see what happens later today with Congress and the Republicans and if they can find a speaker and if they can get the ball rolling and not stall, not play stupid political games and stall. So we'll see what happens. There'll be a lot to talk about, I'm sure, as the week goes by. And Elon Musk has also promised Fauci files sometime later this week. So there'll be plenty, plenty of stuff we can talk about here. And everything is grist here. Everything is grist for our ever-grinding mill. The name of the show is Unless Be Heard. It airs Monday night through Friday night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. I'm Mike Cachopoli, reminding you that your influence counts. Use it. <laughs>